On today's episode, we will join advocate Amanda DeLuca from Advocate Out Loud, where we will discuss what inclusion should look like in a school setting. Stay tuned because it's not what you think. Please remember that all the opinions you hear on our show, whether from our hosts or guests, are their own. They don't represent anyone else's views or endorsements. So listen in for fun and learning, or remember, it's all up to you how you use it. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on this adventure. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode three. Um, it's me and Laura, and we have our first guest who Woo! I will introduce you to. Uh, she's a dear friend and colleague that um, I work with and that me and Laura have gotten to know really well over the last two years. So our guest is Amanda DeLuca. And Amanda, introduce yourself. Hi, girls. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be the first guest. I'm like, the first. It's nice. Uh, my name is Amanda DeLuca. I live in Ohio with my husband and my two children. My oldest son, Jackson, is on the autism spectrum. And um, he is sort of why I started blogging and sharing about our journey um, on my page, Jackson's Journey, Jackson's Voice. And then also how I fell into educational advocacy, um, sitting through our first uh, couple of IEP meetings. Um, it felt like we were on somebody else's playground and I didn't know the rules. So I knew that I needed to educate myself so that I could be more prepared and know what my rights were, what his rights were, and what to expect at the table. So um, I sort of dabbled into educational advocacy and then it sort of became its own um, career. And that's how Kirby and I know each other so well. We teamed up um, with a Patreon community. We wrote a book um, and we speak and teach and do all the things. Um, and then I also have a five-year-old Monroe who is typically developing. And she is going to take over my other um, day job, which is um, I own and operate my own dance studio. And Monroe said when she grows up, we're going to be two moms teaching dance. So that's the other half. I'm an educational advocate slash dance teacher. So that's who I am. Awesome. Welcome. Well, welcome. We're so excited to have you today. Yes. And today we want to talk about inclusion in schools. Mm -hmm. So um, this topic is kind of a hot topic because inclusion in schools, I guarantee you, is not what you think it is. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I think a lot of people think inclusion is lunch, recess, gym or art, um, and then maybe like some tablet time in the classroom. I think that's typically what is thrown out um, to most um, parents for IEPs. Um, and I'll tell you, in our home district, I knew um, who a kid's teacher was going to be because they were on an IEP. So that also is not inclusion. Um, if you are just putting all of the children on IEPs in certain gen ed classes, that also isn't inclusion either. I have a word for that in my my viral piece. I call that dumping, <laughs> the yes. dumping ground. Yes, it is. And it's not, uh, it's not fair to the teacher. It's not fair to the kiddos. It's not um, true inclusion. It's... Um, a very old school way of thinking. Kirby and I talk about that a lot. There's old school and there is new school. Um, the dumping ground is definitely <laughs> old school thinking. Kirby, you and I have talked about, um, I have the magical unicorn school right now. Um, I love our school. I love our staff. They could write the textbook on inclusion. Um, they continue to surprise me every day. 
their suggestions far exceed um, what I thought would be possible. So um, it can be done and it can be done well. It just um, requires a very creative and collaborative team to be completely honest. And it requires an open mind. It yes. requires you to say yes to you, for you to yes. try. Yes, day. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, when we met at the beginning of the school year, because I meet with our team um, like the week of school to just go over what we've done through the summer, what changes we've seen, what has happened. And they're like, we're going to put him in gen ed five periods a day. And I swear my jaw hit the floor and it stayed there for three minutes. I'm like, let's just start with one. Can we? <laughs> my expectation was one because last year he was, um, I hate to say forced, but forced into a self-contained classroom because we had some really medically fragile kiddos and they were trying to um, self-contain the kids who were receiving um, therapy and um, intervention so that they weren't cross-contaminating environments. And I had a really hard time with that and I didn't agree with that, but I understand why. I didn't love it. I don't think that it was the best choice in an ideal world, but we were living in a pandemic, nothing was ideal. So this year, it was the exact opposite where he was going to have time in gen ed. He was going to have time with his peers. And then he was only going to go to the other classroom for IEP work and um, related services because his are still pull out services instead of push in, um, which I'm fine with at his age, at his attention span, pull out services are what he needs to be successful. So my expectation was one, we were going to dip our toe into the pool and they said five. And like you said, Kirby, I just had to say yes, because he's doing exceptionally well. They're doing amazing. His gen ed teacher is so involved. I get photos every day. I get an update every day. He has a desk. He has a name card. He's truly in that classroom. It's not just he's a guest coming in, which we see a lot of when we think inclusion and our kids on APs, right? Um, he's built into every project that they are doing. Jackson is doing that project. That's true inclusion, not well, he's going to come in and sit while we're looking at the smart board for 20 minutes um, and he can sit at this desk back here. It's true inclusion and they surprise me every day in a good way. So how do they do it? Like, what does it look like? What is his, what does it look like? Like, how do they make this possible? So um, part of their, let's talk like top of the top here. A, they have a special education coordinator that runs their whole program. It's not um, just intervention teachers running their program. It's not um, some administrator who has nine other jobs. That is her sole job is to run the special education program. So number one, I think because they have their own department, it's staffed really well. They have a leadership team. They know what they're doing. Then it trickles down to every child who comes into their program gets a one-to-one -one aid or a two-to-one aid because they are coming in as a child um, with higher needs. So Jackson has a one-to-one -one aid in the morning and a one-to-one -one aid in the afternoon because they want him to be able to generalize skills. And they also want him to be able to be comfortable in case someone can't be at work that day. There's more than one staff person that's familiar with him. So they have a special education coordinator who really oversees this program. I think that's important and a lot of schools don't have that. Number two, he has an aide who is designated to be with him during his scheduled blocks during the day. Number three, they have a BCBA on staff at all times. So behavior management in the classroom is not an issue. Um, and his aide is also a trained RBT under his BCBA. 
So there are a lot of parts that are why it is successful. Um, his gen ed teacher works with his intervention specialist. So one week they had a drive-in movie and the theme was Little Bear all week because they were watching Little Bear at the end of the week. So she sent Little Bear activities down to his intervention room so that the time he was missing was still tied into the theme of the gen ed classroom so that when he came back, he was still on task. They work together beautifully to make sure that there are no holes in his day. His schedule is blocked out in 40 minute blocks. I know where he's at, who he's with, and he knows where he's at and who he's with because his schedule is so predictable, which he needs. That's amazing. It's the um, unicorn. It, it really is. I'm, I, I'm yeah, I think it's so important to have the consistency and to ensure that the kiddo going into the class is not a guess that they belong mm -hmm. there and they feel like they belong there because if you just sit them in the circle and let's say you're reading a book or whatever activity you're doing yeah you know, it's so important that they feel like they belong because if they don't that is going to determine whether they want to go back how they're going to mm -hmm. behave like it trickles off of so many things whether they're going to act out whether something's going to trigger them with just simply giving them a desk with their name on it. You know, they feel like, oh, this is my spot. I belong here. So I will say Jackson's desk is um, in the back corner by the door. And I'm okay with that because he is coming and going. So it is um, easier access. We've had one time where we've had a meltdown that carried over from another class where we had to leave the classroom again. It made that easy and it made it not a huge to do. He wasn't walking through the front of the class. They didn't have to see him having a hard time. Um, and when we planned his schedule, um, we knew that handwriting was going to be um, something that was difficult for him and not something that is a preferred activity. So we knew that was one of the times that we wanted to work on intervention. The smart board is really hard for him because he wants to control it. He wants it to be doing what he wants it to do. So that was another time that we knew we wanted him to have outside therapy instead of in the classroom. So we were really meticulous about when he was doing what where so that we set him up for success. You should always base your child's inclusion time on wins and highly preferred activities and things that they can succeed. If your child cannot sit and do handwriting, Jackson can't, won't, will not, doesn't like it. Why are we going to make that an inclusion time when it's just going to be someone prompting him to stay on task the whole time instead of something that he can do with minimal prompts and be involved with his peers? That's a great point. What I what I found most fascinating in what you're saying, because it's something I've been pushing for, and I feel like I feel like people think I'm crazy, but I think to truly work the BCBA RBT component of this, especially if you have kids with autism, and I think kids with any disabilities are going to have some behavior. I think all kids after the pandemic, we're seeing behavior issues all over the country with typical kids. I feel like that is a really big, important piece. I know personally with my daughter's situation, that's a big component that we're missing. And that's become a really big problem for me as to why she can't be in her least restrictive environment and why she's kind of been pushed fully into into self-contained environments. Yeah, and the BCBA was a deal breaker for us. We knew that he needed that to be successful. He may not always, but right now he's still learning how to learn at school. So we needed a program that offered that. They're one of maybe five that I know of 
in our general area because I work with a lot of other um, parents in other school districts. It's very rare, but I think it's something that needs to be talked about. I think it is something that needs to be on the forefront of every school administration's conversation because as we know, diagnosis is becoming more and more prevalent. Behaviors come along with that. How are we gonna serve these kids unless we're creating self-contained classrooms, which is not least restrictive environment for every child? No, and I think I always like to bring back the teachers too. They need the support. They're not, I always like to say, and hey, the teacher, her para, they're not behaviorists. If they were, they would have a different job title with a different salary. Um, and I'm, see, I'm seeing in my area some of the big public schools, some of the bigger leading ones that are doing this. And then I mm -hmm. kind of look at my home district where my kid is, and I'm like, how do we make this inclusion possible? Because it hasn't been as successful as I want it to be because I so, see the missing piece here that you're talking about. And I'll tell you, you know... I it was a concern that our aides would leave after they got an RBT um, training because you know they could. Um, a lot of them are parents of kids themselves that go to their school. So we've really just found this perfect mix of their kids are there, they wanna be on the same schedule, they want to be better at their job, they can get a little bit of better pay from the school district because they are now also an RBT. You really have to find a school administration that is willing to work and value your kiddos. Now, I will say, um, here in the state of Ohio, there is the Autism Scholarship and the John Peterson Scholarship, which means that we can take funds from the Ohio Department of Education and send it to um, schools or therapy centers who are scholarship providers. Jackson's school is. So he um, has a little bit more money that comes with him as a student than just what everyone else is paying in tuition. But think of all the other things that he is getting. So um, their program... Um, not runs off of, but is funded a lot by this scholarship program. But again, they're the only one doing it. His school is the only one that is doing it and they're doing it beautifully. Oh, well, hopefully they're leading by example. Can you, um, <laughs> I guess, Kirby, did you have anything before we go on? Yeah. Well, I was going to say here in California, we use Medi-Cal funding. So even if you yourself and your family does not qualify for Medi-Cal. The school is given resources to help fund the IEP, to fund the services, to fund whatever it is the child may need. It's as simple as a signature at the end of an IEP, and mm -hmm. it gives the school a lot of resources. How they use those resources, you know, unfortunately <laughs> are up to the district and the school themselves. But I have seen um, in IEPs here lately that they put the one-to-one -one as a behavior intervention. So that is new. I've seen that in the last two years. So instead of seeing a one-to-one um, -one to help with all areas throughout the day, they have taken it up a notch to include a behavior interventionist. So those are some things if you're going to an IEP and you're talking about getting inclusion that you can ask, do you have a BCBA that is able to train the people in my child's classroom? Do you think though, having a BCBA trained staff, because we did that, do you think that, I, I feel like the RBTs are more 
solid. I don't feel that a regular paraprofessional is comfortable following through with, well, with, a, with certain like with aggression, with aggression, like they're not, there's a big piece with that 300 hour training to become an RBT where you learn that things get worse <laughs> or they get better and not to give up in the, you know, in the trenches of it. So in preschool, um, we didn't, we didn't have one-to-one aids, which is typical in preschool here, but there were two classroom aids and we had um, a contracted BCBA and a contracted RBT that came in and did training and school support uh, personnel, support for school personnel. And um, that's what I was seeing, Laura, is the aides would then say when they came back, well, you don't see what we see. You don't understand how hard this is. You don't understand. We need you to fix and blah, 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 blah. They weren't taking responsibility and sort of holding true for what the plan was. They were just, they wanted them to take him out. They wanted him to uh, remove him from the classroom. They wanted them to just fix and extinguish. And that's not the way behavior works. Mm -hmm. So I, I see what you're saying. Um, Jackson's aid now in the BCBA are also um, nonviolent crisis intervention trained. They call it something else, but that's essentially what it is. And that's why he has the aid that he has, because that is her training. So his program bases their needs, their placement on their needs. So at the beginning of the year, they have a meeting and they place specific with the kids needs. So it's not like you're in first grade, this is your aid. You're in second grade, this is your aid. It is truly um, a team decision. And I gave my input. Um, this person is the most highly reinforcing person on your team. I would keep them as his aid for reward. And she is. And it works beautifully. This person is your, and there she goes again. This person is your um, aggression trained aid. That's who he's going to need to transition to gen ed. So um, again, how they do things is different, but it is a placement decision based on your child's needs, not just what grade level they're at, where in my gen ed schools, my regular districts, that's what I see is you're in first grade, this is your aid. You're in second grade, this is your aid. It's not quite as unique needs as it should be. That's interesting. Well, let's go with... So, Amanda, since you have really been involved in Jackson's school program, how have you noticed... Um, changes within him now that he is actually included with his peers. So when we met at the beginning of the year, they asked what, what my goals were for the year. And I told them I honestly had zero academic goals. I wanted him to make one friend. That was my only concern. I wanted him to understand what it meant to look for a person, to sit with a person, to know the reciprocating conversation with a person, which we're not there yet, but he understands that feeling of want of another person. And to me, that's something that can't really be taught. I mean, we can teach them the programs, but their want has to come from within. And he has it, luckily. We didn't know that we'd ever get here. And um, I, that's what I told them my main goal was. I want him to understand what it feels like to be included, like you said, not just a guest star. So um, they were very diligent about who they placed him with in the classroom. Um, and he is in between um, his, um, the one little boy's mom is an intervention specialist at the school. One of the little girls is like the talky, chitty chatty girl. 
So she makes up for where Jackson doesn't carry conversation. So they were really diligent about that. He sits by the same kids at lunch. His aide sits with them and they help facilitate conversation. That's part of our IEP. Um, and the kids um, asked where Jackson was when he wasn't in his classroom. They were very curious and concerned. And um, so the teacher told the intervention specialist, I want to make sure they understand, you know, he's not leaving because he's in trouble. It's not because he's not. So they let Jackson lead um, a field trip down to the intervention classroom. So he walked down the hallway backwards with his hands like up like a stewardess, you know, because um, that's what the teacher would do and led them down to the intervention room. And he said, welcome, friends. This is the hope room. And they all got to explore the sensory room and go through centers like Jackson would do. And then the intervention specialist came back upstairs with the classroom um, and did a um, discussion on kindness and the kindness prayer, because it is a Catholic school, um, and talked about autism and honoring other people's exceptionalities. That's what Jackson's Hope stands for, for his school, honoring other people's exceptionalities. That's their program. Um, and they had a huge discussion on autism and things that Jackson likes and why he likes them so much. And kids are really honest and kids are really curious, but we discourage their questions a lot because it makes us uncomfortable as adults, right? Um, and they didn't do that at all. Every question was welcome. Every question was met with an answer, whether it be, you know, huge and philosophical or very basic. And um, he tells me he has friends and he can tell me their names and they send me pictures every day. And um, he's invited to birthday parties. And I know one day that will stop. Okay, I'm not naive to that. But these kids cheer him on and include him and um, towards the end of the school year, when we go back, they're going to rotate him in with the other first grade class because there are two first grade classrooms um, for gym and recess and things because they want those kids to also know Jackson and to also know the Hope Room and to also know because they'll scramble all these kids up next year for second grade. And to see him not standing on the sidelines and watching other children play, to see him um, be able to tell me about the other kids in his class. That has changed everything because that makes me know that he's never going to be alone. If I'm not here, I know that he can bond with another human. And that is all I want in this world. I don't ever want him to be lonely because I can't be right there. And that is a reality. One day that will happen. So for them to understand and take my want so dang seriously means everything. And when we went in for parent-teacher conferences, I said to the gen ed teacher, all I wanted was for him to have one friend. She said, well, yes, 26. And I lost it. I bawled and cried because who wouldn't? Um, and I believe her. I truly believe her. Um, he's come home with train poppets and Snoopy tchotchkes. And, yeah, remember you know, the girl that gave him a bag? Of of all of her toys from home. She brought all of her Snoopy toys from home and gave them to Jackson because she knew that's what he loved. Like if we could all just take an example from this class and they have truly taught their kids about honoring other people's differences, about asking questions because we want to be better about what kindness really looks like. Those first grade kids are going to change the world. And I am just so thankful for them and their teachers and their parents because their parents are equally as amazing. And um, I hope 
that it lasts for a really long time because he is just loved and cherished and doing amazingly well there. And it's just opened so many doors for him to do other things and to participate at school instead of just being in a classroom with only non-typical peers, which was what we had last year and what was what I did not want um, for him. So it's been amazing. Um, and it has done amazing things for him and for us because it's given us so much hope to move forward. That is so beautiful. Yeah, I think it's super important. <laughs> so to, touching. I, it is. And I think it's so important that the school has not taken the stance that he's acting out, that he's bad, that his behavior is not okay. Instead, they're explaining, they're educating, they're letting these kids know, you know, people are different. People have struggles in different areas. You may struggle with handwriting. She struggles with regulating her emotions or he has a really hard time with the word no because X, Y, Z. And just that little bit of explanation not only changes the way those kids see the student, it's also very open-minded of the teachers and the people that are the example that our kids look to. So I wish we could have your school everywhere, Amanda, because- And I will, and I'll tell you, Jackson's gen ed teacher has been teaching for 31 years. She is not a young, you know, new out of school, 31 years she's been doing her job and she said she loves it as much today as she did the day she started. And I truly believe her because to me, you know, when I was in school and these veteran teachers were very close minded, it was, this is what we're doing. There is no wiggle room. And she is just so above and beyond. She's amazing. And I think it's important because <clears throat> Jackson's behavior is a lot. And it is loud and it is big and it has a lot of moving parts. And those kids have um, understand that it is him having a hard time, not giving someone a hard time, Kirby, like you said. And they're very protective over him um, now. And they are very understanding of he needs a minute and then he'll be back. And I think that's important because we as adults sometimes don't even Right. And how honest. long has he this been going on since this beginning of the year? We're only in December right now. So just right. that short period of time <laughs> right. has not only taught Jackson so much, it has opened mm -hmm. the eyes of every 26 first graders that are going to grow graders. up, that are going to, you know, if somebody sees Jackson, they're going to say, hey, that's my buddy Jackson. And let me go see if I can help him because he's having a hard time. Not and every everybody knows Jackson. I learned everybody knows Jackson. So he makes it, <laughs> he was a, he is a presence at school. It's it's amazing. Um, I know that we had talked about when we talked about um, the topic of inclusion. Um, he is now in an extracurricular at school, and that was something that was also very important to me. I said I want him to try. He hated Miracle League Baseball, hated every minute of it. It was outside. It was hot. Rocking, it was hot. Ball. It was not <laughs> a an approved activity. And I'm like, well, I'm like, but if this doesn't work, what else are we going to do? Because that was the only thing that I knew was available. I mean, it's not like there's 900 rec leagues with adaptive sports. It was Miracle League Baseball or bust. So I'm like, bud, you got to do something. So we got an email that there was Science Club. And I'm like, okay, we're going to try it. 
So <clears throat> I met with the special education coordinator and I'm like, I would really like for him to be able to go to science club, but I know he needs an aid to do that. And she's like, okay, that's all you need. Okay. We might have to do a couple of fundraisers throughout the year for the program to have extra funding. Fine. I will organize the fundraisers. I love yes. a project. Kirby, that's right. what we're talking about. The right. We're not moms who just ask for stuff and walk away. Like correct. That's we will coach you, the team. We will probably raise the money. This yep. is me and Laura. This is our soapbox. Me and Laura. Yes, we ask you to include our child. We understand what we are asking. Correct. We get it. But, but because they have like to circle way back. Because they have a special education coordinator, it wasn't, let me check with my boss, let me email the administration, you want an aid, fine, I will find you an aid, we might just have to have some extra money. So totally sidebar, she's like, you know, some schools do bingo nights, it's very successful. We have to have like a bingo license. So Sal's going to go to bingo school so that we can have the license <laughs> to do bingo because it's a huge money maker. It's one night, you're in it and out. And they want the funds for an aid because they're going to let our kids participate in science club and newspaper and um, the, you know, theater program, whatever it is they want, they will find the staff. We just have to help them with the funds. So Sal's going to night bingo school so that we can get some extra funds. I want to do, kids. I should do that. I should do bingo. That is a great idea. a big idea. retirement area. <laughs> there you yeah, go. you should. You'll have to go to night school um, to get your bingo license, but... Once you have it, I think you're good forever. I don't know if Sal's figuring out the logistics, but my husband is going to be like, "You just like going to school, Laura, because you just keep going back." To school. <laughs> my husband's like, "You just like a project. You love to say yes to a project." I'm like, "I do. It fills yeah. my cup to say it yes does. to a project." I know. I um, see you're a lot nicer. See, Jeremy was at work, and I called him, and I'm like, "Jeremy." I set up a inclusive Santa experience for all of Camp Pendleton's um, Marine and Navy families and your Santa. FYI, oh. I got the photographer, <laughs> I got the room and the Santa suit, but you are the Santa, okay? Because we need a Santa that's going to be very understanding. And, mm -hmm. you know, I really wanted a good picture of my kid with Santa. So again, like we're the parents that are going to go out and do whatever you need us to do because we know it's work, but it's mm -hmm. just a simple, yes. You just said, yes, you open your mind yes. a little bit. The possibility. There was, there was no, we'll reconvene. There was no, let me make seven phone calls. I'll get back to you next week. Yes. He can do science club. Yes. We will find someone to be there. And, um, I'm like, bud, we have to try. You have to do something. You have to be involved in something because that was always my mom's rule. And I think that's a good rule. We have to push them outside of their comfort zone. Loves the science club. They made marble runs. They made volcanoes, all kinds of things. And it's just first grade. It's kids from his class still. They sit him beside the kids that he sits with in gen ed class. Um, it's a different aid. So it's a different aid in the rotation that volunteered to go. She actually is who we just hired to be a respite person for us. So um, she's also an RBT. The magical unicorn keeps growing. Oh um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, so, but he loves it. And it's an hour once a month, but it's plenty. It's plenty for him. It's plenty for me to feel like he's doing something. And it keeps him involved at school. And I think that is so important because often our kids do not get that experience. We have to find an outside league somewhere else with kids that we might not know. And this is directly involved with his school. And I think that is so important. And 
them being able to find the aid because they are a private school. But for um, our kids in public school, if your child wants to do an extracurricular, I have um, a client who bowls. They have to provide an aid for your child to be able to do an extracurricular activity. It is their right um, to participate in those activities and have the support level that they need. Are aids um, jumping and chomping at the bit? No, it might be harder to find one, um, but it is required for them to have the level of support they need. So, I would love to do a future episode solely on after we all have our bingo licenses and and figure <laughs> out how to start like adaptive programs for kids. Mm-hmm. Because I've been thinking a lot about like, I'd love my daughter to play basketball. Can she go play regular basketball? Absolutely not. We do not have like the Mm-mm. Miracle Leagues here for her age group. That's We all don't have Miracle kids. League around me either. Yeah, we don't have so, anything in her age group in my town. Everything is like an hour away, which is not realistic. So like we drove an hour for Miracle League baseball and it was a mix, like 20 something on down to Jackson's age. And it just wasn't for him. It was too much pressure. There were too many people. It was hot. So um, like Miracle League Bowling, he would love that. It's indoors. There are snacks. You can walk away and come back. So um, I'm hoping that that's something that's coming up, um, you know, as I take on more projects and as, you know, you brainstorm. But I think bowling is much more accessible. Um, Science Club is great. We've seen amazing things with that. Art Club. Um, If you have a kid that loves art, Jaden recently loves to paint all the things. mm -hmm. So I currently have paint hidden everywhere. Like if you go in a closet and paint falls out at you, sorry, it was a situation. I had to hide the paint. (laughs) Jackson wants to join the band. He has told me that for a year. I want to play the trumpet. I want to join the band. Um, But they don't get to do that until later. But we are working that in um, as like a positive reinforcement for him at school to work towards just some exposure, but I think that's going to be something else. We're going to have to figure out how can we make that realistic because he's going to need extra practice. He's going to need extra time. We're going to have to figure out how to make that make sense for him, but he wants to do it. So we will. My daughter wants to do theater. We don't have a program for elementary here. So I have to figure out who locally is going to take that on. (laughs) Have you read, have you read the book? um, (laughs) Now I see the moon. Laura, have no, you read that book? No, I'm writing it down. Okay, so it is my favorite book ever. Um, and that's um, the woman who wrote it adopted um, a little boy from Russia who had autism. She started a theater group and they're nationwide. But it's an amazing read um, and it might give you some ideas. And I forget the name of her troupe, but when we went to a conference, um, there was a supporting actor who had guest starred on The Good Doctor. And he was from her acting troupe, one of the branches. So now I see the movie. It was amazing. Well, I am getting Jaden signed up to where you remember Cody Lee from Americans Got Talent? Yes. It's local here. And Jaden is going to go to music classes there. And I'm like, he's not purple. They're like, okay, no problem. Bring him on over. We suggest starting with the drums and the keyboard only because the other instruments are a little bit harder. But whatever you want to do, we're open to teaching you. There was no I no. Love them. There was no I no. There was no how severe is he? There wasn't even a question. I went on and was like, he's going to need this. He, this is you the were, thing. And you were, were nervous. Like, no were problem. Nervous Bring him in and we'll go from there. It was an automatic yes. And it was I automatically, as soon as I said that, I could breathe. And I don't think others understand that, that like that simple 
we're willing to try. Let's see how it goes. And we'll go from there means so much to us and to our kids because 99% of the time our kids are a driving force. So I'm sure Laura isn't like, oh, Allie, I want you to join the theater. But Allie wants to join the theater. Yeah. And Jackson wants to be in the science club and play the trumpet. Jackson, Jackson, did, <laughs> Jackson did not want to be in the science club, but he does now. But it was one of those things where our kids are so rigid and they're afraid to try. And I think it's because, like you said, Kirby, not everyone is just like, yes, we will make it work. There's all these rules and guidelines and we need somebody who can learn how to sort of morph those and bend those so that it is accessible to them. And they did that. So now he does love it. But. I told him, like, you're going to science club today, bud, and there's no ands, ifs, buts about it. Well, try saying <laughs> no to Kirby and I. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, man. We are, we're not a force you want to say no to. <laughs> Opposite ends of the country. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, I know. thank you. We're so happy that you were here with us today. Could you share with us, like, your ultimate, your, like, your one big tip for, for inclusion in a school setting? For- like what would be your school. your ultimate like your one like advice or tip for the school how could they you know say yes because that's what we want we want a yes <clears throat> so i think it's important um that your yes needs to go beyond just lunch recess specials and if your yes starts with lunch recess specials what is the plan not they're going to attend that's not a plan that isn't setting them up for success. That isn't adapting anything that isn't giving them support. What's the plan? Who's going with them? What is this going to look like? What is their reward? What is the escape plan? If there needs to be one, just simply agreeing to it does not equal inclusion. And then what are their interests? What are their best times of day? Then we also need to work that in because our children deserve to be with their typically developing peers. That's how they learn a lot of social cues. That's how they learn a lot of appropriate behavior. I mean, Jackson sees 25 other kids sitting at their desk. He's going to think, maybe I shouldn't be running around. He might still do it, but he might think about it for a second. And that's important. We also need to have gen ed teachers who are patient and tolerant and educated on special education. I realized that when Jackson's teacher went to school 32 years ago, The section on autism was probably about this big. It was probably a little blurb in a textbook. But guess what? As times are changing, as diagnoses are are becoming more prevalent, there's going to be more and more and more children who deserve to access their general education environment the same as their typically developing peers. It might be for less periods of time. It might be for the whole day. Who knows? But we need to make sure that they have an education and understanding. And like Laura has said, support. Does that mean we need a BCBA? Does that mean we need trained RBTs? What does that look like? But it has to be a conversation about the whole picture and the whole child, not just, oh, well, they get to go to recess and they get to go to lunch because they don't really need monitored. That's not acceptable. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. I don't know if that was one tip or 20, but that's what you got. No, it is. It is. <laughs> My one tip is always pick your battles, but that's, that's perfect. <laughs> Whenever I get those calls, I'm always like, like, not my battle. Not the one I would have picked today. (laughs) Me with the medicine tonight. (laughs) Like, you can either have the medicine or the shot, but you're getting better one way or the other. 
I'll take the shot. Fine. We'll go to the doctor in the morning. Exactly. Well, this was so awesome. So here we are. We're always here to say yes. Kirby and I are yes day. Yes. <laughs> We're going to get everyone a yes day. That's our goal in life everyone. right now. All righty. I everyone. love that. Well, thank you can for I have, being here. Can, can I have a yes day? Can of, I course. Have an adult? of course. <laughs> yes. And thank you I for being our first. You can do a bingo day. fundraiser for that. You can have your yes, yes. day. My oh, yesterday yeah. is just a nap. It's just a nap. Some Starbucks. Perhaps it's hot from the beginning to the end of the cup. Easy. Easy, please. So funny. Perfect. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. I am honored to be the first guest. It was lovely. It was so enlightening to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, girls. All right. Well, wanna... thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Yes Day Inclusion. To leave us a voice message, please use the provided link because we'd love to hear from you.